welcome to MSP 1337. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Nick Wolf of Evo Security. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. So this week's topic is a little bit, uh, I don't want to say unique, because I, I think it's more of a, just a different way of phrasing what I think a lot of people have talked about, because we've talked about MFA on the show, uh, which is somewhat related to this. But do you know who your users are? And for that matter, do you know who the person is that's supposed to be authenticating against a account? Um, access control is obviously very relevant here. So Nick, talk to me a little bit about it's kind of the idea behind, do you know who your users are? Because I think this started from, you know, what do we talk about that hasn't already been said? And I think the conversation we're about to have isn't a conversation that I've actually had on the show before, uh, but might be construed that way if I'm not careful with what the topic is. Yeah, it's all about verifying you are who you say you are. Whether you're an end user named Mary from marketing trying to access her Office 365 or whether you're the level three technician at an MSP trying to log in as a, to a server as an administrator to install an update, it's always important to verify that you are who you say you are, both for security as well as compliance. You know, sure. what you're going to see. Go, yeah. I just wanted to say, I love that you picked Mary because you know what? If you'd have picked Karen, we know she's not logging in. <laughs> no, no, no. She's probably uh, just copying. She's never logged in. Yeah, yeah, no, she's copying and pasting her password, uh, and she's the one that has the password with a sticky note right in front of the laptop. Her, her password is green M&M. Covers the bases, right? It's got special characters, got capital and lowercase, meets the eight-character requirement. I guess that's still better than uh, one, two, three, four, five from Space Absolutely. <laughs> and she changed the E's to threes, so, I mean, she totally covered it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I think this is part of a broader uh, conversation, in fact, um, than what you just described. We talk about this, like this, I think to some degree is specifics around access control as it pertains to me authenticating, say, 365 or other applications that are that are web-based. But we also see this starting to come into play with, uh, I call up my MSP for tech support. And how does the MSP who answered the phone know that I am Mary or anybody else for that matter? What's that verification? And we've seen, I think, for years, uh, vendor platforms and, and other players out there where like, I know that if I go to GoDaddy and call their support line, they're going to specifically say, I need your I need your code. And you're going to be like, ah, oh, crap, I'm not going to log into my GoDaddy account and give them the code. I wasn't planning on this, right? And there goes three minutes of your time. But we're at that point in uh, in our current environment and the current state of, of cyber we can no longer assume anything, whether it's through physical security or or uh, the digital space, like we're describing today with with uh, Mary and her ability to access 365. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. So, so Nick, we know there are a lot of players in this space. Uh, Evo, it, obviously, being one of them, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about. Uh, CyberQP, we've talked about uh, products from the likes of, of CyberFox and others. But one of the things that you said to me was that there is something that you guys do that's a little bit different that I think um, without promoting a vendor's product, like to talk about 
why what you're doing is a little bit unique and a little bit different. So that at the very least, MSPs are starting to think about like, how do I address the following that goes beyond PAM, that goes beyond um, elevated privileges? These are the things that, you know, are 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 the landscape is in dramatic need of, of a shakeup, right? Like, and I think to some degree, part of the reason why I wanted you on the show is, is that's what Evo is doing. You're, you're making a, a transformational uh, approach to something that has by and large been a pain point for MSPs in general. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really what we're trying to do here is do vendor consolidation and be the one-stop shop turnkey solution for all things identity and access management related. It really takes me back to my core values when I was one of the first employees at Datto uh, back in 2011. What really made Datto unique is that they were the one-stop shop for backup and disaster recovery. You didn't have to go to one vendor for backup software, another vendor for backup hardware, or a third vendor for offsite cloud storage. Datto was that turnkey solution giving you everything all under one umbrella. And that's the similar type of approach we're trying to do here at Evo, but for identity management. So with us, we're combining privileged access management, multi-factor authentication, and single sign-on all into one platform. Whereas wow. today, typically MSPs, you know, they have to partner with one vendor for privilege access management, then, you know, someone like Duo for MFA, someone like Okta for SSO. And at the end of the day, you're working with three different vendors, three different portals, three different bills you have to pay. We're all about vendor consolidation here with the MSPs in mind. I think that's something we're going to start to see more across the the proverbial board, if you will, where consolidation is a necessity, right? I don't know how many times uh, when I was a ConnectWise uh, partner, you know, our, our approach was, if it doesn't integrate with my PSA, it doesn't integrate with me. Um, and, and and we obviously made exceptions to that. But at the end of the day, the challenges were, I can't, I can't live logging in and out of different platforms and, and think remotely that this is, this is a good use of my time. Hey, I'm just going to hire someone extra to the staff just to manage my platform lock-ins. Right. So, so in the space, you know, one of the challenges we see all the time is what does this look like when we go client facing? Cause I know when I fill out things like I'm satisfying like an MFA for the cybersecurity trust mark, or you're looking at the CIS, CIS framework, uh, not all systems support the same vendor, right? And, and I, I've given this example before. It's like, we use Duo for most of our systems and we use Intune for these three places where I can't use Duo. Just And, and for those of you listening, this might be a terrible example. Hopefully you get the point that I'm saying that not all environments support the same vendor integrations. Yeah, totally see that. For us, our standpoint is all about standardization. I talk to MSPs all the time, and when I ask them, well, what do you use today for MFA? It's always a mixed bag. Well, when my clients are logging into Microsoft, they use Microsoft Authenticator. When they're logging into Google Apps, they're using Google Authenticator. For endpoints, they're using Duo. For you know network devices, they're using you know something from Fortinet or something else. Sure. One of the things that I really like about Evo is that it. it like I said earlier, it's all about vendor consolidation. Our, our single app really gives the user MFA for everything that they need for their endpoints, whether it's Windows or Mac, their web applications, whether it's Office 365, Google Apps, Salesforce, Zoom, et cetera, as well as uh, your network devices, firewall sure. switches, routers. And that ultimately is going to give the end user at the end of day ease of use. 
now Mary for marketing takes out her phone to log into everything through one single app versus, oh, where's that six digit code? Is it that in this yeah. authenticator app or that authenticator app? Let me call my MSP because it's not working. Right. Even though she's typing in the the wrong six digit code from the, the wrong app. Yeah. Right. And, and, with that's one of the things I always find interesting too. Like I don't care who you are or what vendor you use for the different things. It's like how many how many rotating keys do you have across all the applications you're using out there? And I think the consolidation of SSO with the two factor authentication really helps reduce that footprint. So you're not scrolling through the 85 different you know tokens that you have to use when you're on and and or you get the lovely one where you scan the QR code and the name has nothing to do with the site. You're like why is it, I, I know I did this and now I can't log in. And you're like randomly trying to search for different word phrases that might possibly be associated with that account. Yep. And one of the things I love about us in particular is that we have a push notification so you could instantly approve it. So we'll say, hey, Mary, Mar Mary from marketing, are you trying to log in from Tampa, Florida? If so, approve and you're good to go. So she doesn't even need to scroll through and find, you know, what her Google Apps uh, code is. Yeah, and I, and I think that's an interesting one too. So push notification, I mean, we've seen that for years with Duo. It, you know, it's not always it's not always timely. And so one of the things that we run into when I was with the school district or even when you you talk to like uh, DOD contractors is, does this work offline? Um, and, and that's always obviously a challenge and why we get a lot of pushback when we start talking about 2FA amongst our end users is, well, if I'm in the environment where I have no internet, my phone's useless. It's like, well, that's the beauty of a token and a rotating key is it's rotating whether it's connected to the internet or not. Yep. With us, we always have that offline code. And if for whatever reason, it's a more compliance driven customer where they can't have their cell phone out, like sure. you know, a lot of hospitals and banks, we do support hardware tokens like FIDO, YubiKey. Those are some of the popular ones that are out there now. That's super cool. So... um. I had one other question that I wanted yeah. to ask. And we talked we... about what we support. I could tell you what we don't support. Yeah, tell me. We do not support SMS as a multi-factor authentication method. Well, that's, just... probably, that's probably not good to support in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we've seen a lot of you know SIM hijacking and things of that nature. And for us, we made the decision that, hey, if you want MFA, it's got to be through our app or through a YubiKey or hardware token. We don't want to support SMS text messaging because it's too vulnerable for risk. So, so talk to me a little bit, if you can, about the evolution of why why Evo even came in to be. Like, you know, I it's not very often. I mean, this is you're maybe the third or fourth vendor that I think I've even had on the on the show, and and it's largely because of, of the approach. It's a different approach to solving the same problem that everybody's dealing with. So knowing your background, knowing your time at Datto and some of the other places that you've been and knowing some of the colleagues that you've worked with have gone to even similar uh, places, you know, what what was it that made Evo even come into to, to being like it, it wasn't like, hey, we want to go compete with Duo. No, that wasn't why Evo came into being. Yeah, it's really because we looked at the market and we wanted to give MSPs option. It goes back to, you know, 10 years ago during the early days of Datto. You know, there was really only Zenith Infotech uh, doing <laughs> oh, the DDRs. Yeah. Other than that, it was, you know, oh, well, some of my clients are using tape. Some of my clients are using file backup. Some of them right. are using cloud backup. You know, there wasn't really a good all-in-one image-based backup. 
uh, specifically for MSPs. You know, there was right. larger devices, SunGuard devices for enterprises, but MSPs and SMBs couldn't afford that. So we looked at the MSP market and we developed a really awesome product, the Cirrus, and you know, it took off very well. And then, you know, other vendors started popping up. There was Axiant and eFolder and Replibit. Right. And, you know, within a few years, everybody was saying the same thing, BCDR, disaster recovery. You know, there was a lot of vendors. If you look at the identity and access management space today, specifically for MSPs, there's not really too many options. Yes, there's Duo and Okta, but those are enterprise focused with a small MSP offering. To my knowledge, there's not any identity and access management vendor that is 100% channel only for MSPs and MSSPs. And that's our sweet spot. That That's our bread and butter. It's one of the reasons why we have no contracts. We're month to month. Uh, there's no minimums because we totally understand and get the channel. And that's why we want to be as channel friendly as possible here. And this gets into the separation here of, of Evo's two products, not just one. So you've got the, the uh, endpoint login, and then you've got the elevated access. Correct. So ele- if we go elevated access, now we're getting into, you know, cyber QP and cyber Fox and some of the other players that, that that's their, they do that as well. Correct. I, I think it's really interesting to your point about Duo and Okta that have, I think, largely plagued plagued our, our space is that those are also not easy to configure. Like mm-hmm. the, the, that's even, not even the way to describe it, right? And so, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that there's some other areas that you guys, I think, do an interesting, um, I shouldn't say interesting. I think you do a, an appropriately good job with managing things like the directories. I think that's one of the areas this we're, we're talking about asset inventory at the user level. So in theory, if I've deployed well across the board, I should have visibility to all the user accounts that I have. Yep, exactly. So again, when we make our product, we make it with the eyes of, is this what the MSP wants? Is this what the SMB wants? It's always... When we wake up in the morning every day, it's, are we building a product for MSPs? That's what we're exactly building. So that's why we do have a multi-tenancy dashboard. So MSPs could see all of their different end user customers through one location. And if they're dealing with a co-managed IT customer, they could grant that customer access to that environment and it's brandable. So it's going to have the MSP's name, logo very present because as a channel only vendor, we want to make the MSP, you know, look like the champion there, not necessarily Evo. I like it. So we're going back to the world of white labeling. Yep, if they want, for sure. Sure. No, no, I, I think that's great. I think I think that's one of the, this is a an example of an area where white labeling potentially makes sense for an MSP versus like, I'm going to white label 365 because that's the best thing I can do for my customer. Yep. Nope. To- totally understand. And to touch on, yes, we also do have a directory as a service option. So in the event where a customer doesn't have a directory, you know, they don't have an on-prem AD or an Azure AD, we could be that directory as a service, perfect for those smallest of small businesses that just can't afford afford an AD. Or or haven't really put the complexities in place that come with having a centralized, uh, you know, directory, right? So like if I have 10 employees and we're all working on Macs, what what were we going to do as far as a centralized, you know, equivalent and not saying there aren't options out there but i mean you know getting someone to think that way is challenge number one actually identifying what solution we're going to use and deploying it is is challenge two and three and and potentially that third one of, of deploying maybe a significant 
cost to implement that just doesn't make sense when you're considering that it's 10 users. And then you go, well, what's the cost of not implementing? It's like, well, oh, that's even more expensive because now your insurance is saying, we don't want to insure you because you have no idea if, you know, I think it was Mary that has elevated the privileges on her Mac to admin and is now installing software that she shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's something to keep in mind when you're vetting your vendors is, yeah, find the vendor that fixes your problem or solves your problem, but also make sure that your vendor speaks MSP language. Is the vendor you're working with, do they know what an RMM is? Do they know what a PSA is? Do they know right. why you need an integration? You know, it's great to find some vendor that makes a product that you're looking to solve, but they made it for, you know, the finance industry or the manufacturing industry. And for you to try to repurpose that into your MSP business plan, you know, is easier sure. said than done. I mean, if I, if I hear you correctly, I believe you're advocating for MSPs to vet their vendors. Yeah, exactly. Like challenge your vendor. Just don't... Just because you're talking to a vendor, even a security vendor like Evo, you know, test them. Hey, are you SOC certified? You know, right. like, what, how are you guys protected? You know, uh, please sign the following NDA and we'll get back to you into 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I don't know that that's necessarily wrong either. I think that's one of the, the myths about it is like, hey, why is it so complicated to get answers out of vendors? It's like, well... In the wrong context, the answer may be used as a double-edged sword. So there's a balancing act. And I think that one of the things that I'd like to see, and, and I know that you guys have made it clear that you're, you're all for this, is how do I vet a vendor without putting myself in a position of signing an NDA where I literally can't talk about what you've shared with me when the reality is what I'm asking for should be like due diligence and best practice, not... I want to know the details of the SOC report and how much scope was included and whether or not you passed or failed. That That's neither here nor there. I want to know the intent and the integrity and the approach you're taking to maturing a cybersecurity practice. I would love it if there was some sort of like gold stamp for MSP vendors that are like, yep, they were vetted by this third party and yep, they're officially secure. Kind of like a HIPAA sign of approval or something like that, yeah. specifically for MSP vendors. Yeah, I think that I think that the the keyword that you just said was MSP vendor, and I think that's hard sometimes, right? Like we go to, you know, we were both at IT Nation Secure, and you see all the vendors there, and and you know the ones that have like, what did it say, like uh, Connectwise integrated or something like that was like their badge of signing off for their integration. I remember back in the day when I worked very closely with Connectwise, and I remember having vendors tell me like, oh yeah, we integrate, and you start going down the rabbit hole and find out like you can send an email to an inbox. That your your PSA is monitoring for, and it creates a ticket. You're like, wait, that that's not integration. That's communication. Those are way different things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you're spot on. I think uh, a vendor validation and and even keywords like MSP. And we all know that at the end of the day, that the world is larger than whether or not MSP only is is going to be for every vendor. But like an MSP. Uh, platform environment, right? Multi-tenant, some of those things that matter to an MSP, like, oh no, <laughs> we sell the product, but it's going to be a unique portal for each client that you have. And oh, yay, it's, it's already going to be a deal breaker. Um, what have been like the hurdles like of, of getting your messaging across? Because I feel like I, you know, and granted, I've been out of being an MSP now for going on, I think six, five, six years uh, what are the hurdles that you guys see when you talk to an MSP about this and, and not even just like, Hey, you know, 
Evo hurdles, but more of like having an MSP tell you like, oh, we've already solved for this or uh, this is too expensive and it doesn't make sense. I mean, there, there's so many things out there. How do you have the the BS conversation that says, look, if not me, then who? Yeah, really, the message that I drive home is all about vendor consolidation. You know, in the game, in, in the long run, you know, we would be able to consolidate vendors that are in the MSP stack stack to make them not only more secure, but more efficient. Sure. But ultimately, when you're installing a new MFA tool, whether you're moving from Evo to Duo or Duo to Okta or someone else, sure. at the end of the day, there is some end user intervention, right? Mary from marketing does indeed have to download that new app and you know scan those QR codes. So right. there is some time there. But again, it, it all goes down to efficiency, right? You want Mary right. from marketing to have one single app to log into everything and have it monitored and maintained by her MSP. That's why she's partnering with her MSP. So that's definitely going to be key. I mean, you, you're highlighting one key specific word and that is how do you, how do you get rid of tech debt? And I think that's a constant battle. And we know based on the, the world around us that players in the space will eventually have other features and functionality that they may not have today that may, may more closely or, or, or change the, the, the nature in which they compete with say you, but today that really isn't the case. Uh, are you seeing uh, a desire from those that you guys compete with to, to play in the same sandbox? I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, um, you know, there's several vendors out there that do privileged access management uh, for MSPs today. You mentioned a couple of them yeah. earlier today uh, at the end of the day, you know, three vendors and there's tens of thousands of MSPs, right? So I right. love competition. I love healthy competition. Sure. Uh, I, I love the the folks up over at CyberQP. I worked with a lot of them during my days at Scout XDR before they bought by Barracuda. Right. Uh, so again, and MSP and, you know, having competition is always also very healthy for vendors, right? Cause right. we challenge each other to make our products better all for the MSPs benefit. Right. Well, this vendor came out with this feature. That means I have to one up them and come out with a newer, shinier feature. Yeah. Well, but you're bringing up a really good point. We've seen a lot of vendors in our in in the MSP space that have not really added many features and have relied on we're the only one that does this. And then all of a sudden you have a new vendor coming into the space. It's like we do these five things, including the two that you get from two different vendors. Yep. Going back to what I said earlier, you know, um, during the Datto days, you know, we were really one of the first BCDR disaster recovery vendor for MSPs in the space. We grew from, you know, 100 partners to 10,000 partners in about three to four years. Sure. And then along that process, you know, you know, other vendors are were popping up as well. Anything love, else that you think? I love competition. I love yeah. competition. What would Coke be without Pepsi? What would ConnectWise be without Caseya? You know. Sure. Well, I just spent I just spent a week uh, in Mexico discovering that the Coke beverages. It's really interesting. You know, you think about obesity in America, and and in Mexico, you get a two and a half liter bottle of Coke, and on it in big letters it says excessive amounts of sugar. In America, it's like in the fine print on the back under the nutritional label. It's like, wow, so they do that with all the things that's on their plate. And yet in America, we still struggle with knowing that it is full of sugar. Um, they should just put a sticker on it, you know, like this is bad, bad for you, you yeah. but we know you're going to drink it anyway. Enjoy. Surgeon General's warning, at least let us off the hook when you try to sue us, right? Yes. <laughs> um, we've got a few minutes left. Uh 
Nick, what are some things that you would you would share with with the the listeners that are out there? Um, I would say the big takeaway here is definitely going to be around privileged access management. Uh, I would suggest as an MSP, research vendors for privileged access management, whether sure. it's Evo or someone else. Too many vendor uh, MSPs that I speak with today are still doing access management the old-fashioned way. I would say. of the MSPs that I talk to, they log into their client's endpoints through their RMM. And when they need admin credentials to that endpoint, they're typically copying and pasting that admin credential out of IT glue or a password manager or God forbid an Excel file. And that's how the technician logs in. And that's a big no-no. It opens the MSP up to a lot of risk. You know, if that technician leaves, they walk out the doors with the keys to the kingdom. Right. If that technician leaves, an MSP should be updating and rotating the passwords, but that's extremely manual. One of the calls I had last, uh, here's a yeah, times however many endpoints or at least. Well, so seriously, I I legit was talking to an MSP business owner last week um, and he's moving forward with our privileged access management solution because he said, Nick, I have delayed firing one of my bad techs for the last three weeks because I know how much of a pain it's going to be for me to update and rotate all the passwords that he's seen across the dozens of customers that I have. I think he's an active listener of this show and now he knows that he's got something coming down the pike. Yeah. So um, my key key takeaway here is if you're an MSP, check out some of the privileged access management vendors that are out there. Stop copying and pasting passwords out of whatever documentation tool you're utilizing. You know, pray to your Lord. It's not your browser. Yeah. The technicians should never be seeing the passwords to begin with. Those passwords should be rotated on an hourly basis, that's going to keep you more secure, sure. as well as in the long run, potentially uh, reduce your premiums for cybersecurity insurance. You're going to wow. start seeing that more and more for cybersecurity insurance as well. I, I nice, nice plug there at the end for cyber insurance. I think that's a big one. I think uh, at the end of the day, and, and I actually just posted this on LinkedIn, I think it was a week or so ago, I, I interviewed uh, Reed uh, with Fifth Wall, and we were talking about some of the cybersecurity insurance maturity things that have been developing over the last 12 to 18 months. And one of the things that's come out is really MSPs aren't the high risk that we they really thought they were when they first started creating premiums and policies for, for the MSP space. However, that doesn't mean all of the businesses served by MSPs aren't significantly high risk that the MSP is touching. So I thought that was an interesting uh, distinction that MSPs aren't necessarily the de facto uh, bad investment from an insurance perspective, but if they're not doing things like you just described, uh, they have the potential to be bad news. And and that's what we don't want to see. We want to see MSPs being able to qualify for insurance. We want to see them being able to show evidence that, that they're taking security seriously and that they are maturing as an organization. So I, I really appreciate what you shared. Um, uh, all vendor vendor uh, competitiveness aside, I think to your point, if you don't have something in place today, if you're listening to this, you need desperately to go and find a vendor who helps you with privileged access management. Um, if you don't have something yet for SSO, again, similarly with MFA, these are key components to a successful uh, a rollout. And, and like what you said, uh, we don't use SMS as a way to get that token. So for those of you listening, this has been an episode of MSP 1337. Thanks and have a great week. 